Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash prenatal. What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. And now joining us is the inimitable, the the one and only, the greatest, the omniscient football play-by-play man in the business, Brad Sham. Brad, how's it easy going? for you to say, huh? Yeah, it was easy. Inimitable <laughs> is hard to say. You know, it's easy to write, hard to say. So, 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 Brad, what about? All right, let's just get right down to it. Did you? When Eric Daydale has said many times that when the Rangers lost in Game Six of the World Series, he had nightmares about that. And he has that nightmares, I think, pretty much ever since about that loss. Yes, he does. So what was your reaction to the, to the, uh, to the Cowboys losing to the Packers on Sunday? Well, I'm, not, I'm absolutely not going to have any nightmares. Good, uh, good. But I understand that, uh, I under, first of all, Eric and I are good enough friends. I've, I, we've been out together and talked about this enough. He's still, he's still mad at Nellie Cruz, and, uh, and, and he's going to be bothered by that until the Rangers win a World Series. Yes, so, I think you're right. Uh, I have had the great good fortune of being in the booth for four Super Bowls and three of them the Cowboys won. So there's that difference. Uh, it doesn't haunt me. What haunts me, Kevin, is when they um, are not competitive. I had a lot harder time uh, getting through and over last year. Um, and especially when a year is a surprise, when it's a pleasant surprise, then um, I, I just think that's like a bonus, and I don't know how you can get over it. The, they could have beaten Green Bay. I think that uh, as the as I think about it, and that even even Sunday night, I thought, you know what, that was a that was a beatable team, and but they weren't beatable by the Cowboys on that day. And uh, for me, the 
the overall impact is not of a game. It's of the season. It's of what it felt like from day one in Oxnard with the buildup that was attendant to that, the expectations and or hopes that people carried into that through the year. Holy cow, what fun. I mean, how can you be disappointed? Not, no, that's not right. You can be disappointed because they were close. Now, I, I think they would have had a really hard time with Atlanta because Atlanta on offense has things that Green Bay does not have. A running game. Uh, with a dual threat. Yeah. And, and guys who can make huge plays uh, circling out of the backfield. And I think their defense, while a little erratic, is uh, better than the Packers. So I, I said this to a friend of mine the other day who was really, really, really disappointed about it. And I said, how would you have felt about getting to the championship game, a step away from the Super Bowl at AT&T Stadium and get carved up? Or, 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 or Brad, what if they had gotten to the Super Bowl and gotten carved up? Well, you have in the Super Bowl, it's a different but, thing. But no, but you have to... Unless you win the Super Bowl, you're going to lose your last game of the season. Once that's you correct, and that's going to happen to 31 teams. Well, or, or 31 teams are going to be unhappy. Right. But, but um, for a lot of these guys, you know, guys who have played a long time and uh, guys who have, you know, Witten, Romo, Lee, Church, Carr, those veteran guys, yeah, you want them to win it. I would like for them to have the opportunity – to experience what it's like to be in it, to build up the whole week, playing in the game. So now getting to, to me, you'd get your heart carved out if you got to the championship game and and you you, you really didn't have the wherewithal to win it. Uh, this is disappointing. I would like to be preparing for a game this week, and I think it was a winnable game. It's not a nightmare inducer to me, because the season was all gravy. Right. The, the day Romo went down in Seattle, there's not a single person who didn't throw up, except for maybe the coaches, who didn't throw up their hands and say, oh, oh, well, we've seen this movie before. Let's figure out how to put a blueprint together. And, and suddenly the blueprint was dropped into their laps. And they did a lot with it, so no, no, no nightmares for me. You know, I, I think even fans, there's, there's no pale over the city. The, you know, this is Tuesday morning. Uh, we're, I don't know, seventy, how many hours after after the game ended, and 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 I think th- people still have pep in their. St- yeah. I think they were proud of that team, what that team accomplished. Well, I think they didn't expect it. And and what was somewhat surprising to me for a little while during the season based on just interaction I had with fans only, was it felt different to them, too. And and I hate to say this because I, I really love the guy, but had it been Tony Romo, they would have been going out there with the expectation that he was going to get hurt at any minute, and if they didn't get it done, then they were looking at another 20 years of bleak. Correct. And uh, instead, what people felt is the same thing the players felt, which is tremendously enthused. Tyrone Crawford said it on a radio show we did last night. Uh, Tremendously infused with energy and optimism around two guys. 
Right. Brand brand new guys. You know the, the the things about this this series. You know when I looked at the 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 playoff the Super Bowl road for the Cowboys going into this thing, uh, I thought, well, this is this isn't good. I can see them losing to any of these teams. Did you write this? Sure. sure. Yeah. I said, well, I, I said it. I, mean, I didn't. You know, they don't let me write about the Cowboys very much. So, uh, you know, but my my issue was is like. I, everybody was wanting to play the Packers because the Cowboys had beaten the Packers. Yeah, but that wasn't the Cowboys with Aaron Rodgers. The, the, that the, I don't know who right. that was right. back in October. That wasn't Aaron Rodgers. Right. And 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 this Aaron Rodgers, he's tremendous. And he played exactly like I thought he would. Now, I didn't pick them to. I picked the Cowboys to win. They almost won because it was yeah. a home game. I did. I did pick the Packers to beat the spread. Of course, Barry's Barry's trying to be so proud because because he picked the Cowboys to win. You no, I picked the Packers. No, to the win. Packers. What I mean, you did not do what Brandon George was, which was he had the exact score. He had the exact score. But I, I, I had the game ending on the last play. But he also talked. He he talked about it in. in he had he had. They let him write a, a Encyclopedia Britannica you, about this. You, you could they not say. Have done oh that. no, they. You, you guys need to get me. over your Brandon George jealousy right now. Yeah, oh and, my God! But, but but my point is that to what you say. I think exactly why people feel like they do is because this is not a team where the window is closing on it. Right. This is a, this is a young team, especially on offense. Yeah. And, and then uh, you hope you hope because you oh, never know. You never, you never know. There's a lot of things they have to fix and address, and yes. next year's never guaranteed. But no. that's but because because of the two kids, th- there's there's hope and optimism. And I and I and I want to go back to something you just said. And this is well, this was a column I wrote for today, talking about uh, the fact that comparing it to the 1991 when they in the 1992 playoffs when they lost to Detroit, Eric Kramer uh, passed them silly, and then uh, and then they went out and drafted. Seven defensive backs in the next draft. The first two defensive backs they draft were Kevin Smith and Darren Woodson, uh, uh, and and that pretty much. And that I don't want, I don't want to say that solved everything, but they did win the Super Bowl that year, the next year, and then they won, of course, three of the next four. Yeah, so, I I think that people ask me that question a lot, Kevin, about is it like '92 or '91 or whatever, and you know there are differences to me. Uh, one of the big ones being, that, first of all. Don't don't forget they had 147 draft choices. Right, right. And so, uh, yeah, good for them that they hit on a couple. Uh, Woody was not a first round pick, no, and and, and probably the best player uh, of that bunch. But uh, no question, uh, they had uh, they had room to miss on some picks because they had so many of them. Right, and they did very well with with Smith and Woodson. But Aikman had been around when they went to training camp in '92. It was Aikman's third year. They had a new defensive, a new offensive coordinator. Uh, it was uh, it was Emmett's. Uh, it was uh, Aikman's fourth year. Emmett's third year. Urban's fifth year. And they'd added. And then by the time training camp ended in '92, they'd added Haley. And they already had Tolbert, Casillas, Maryland. Uh, the, so they had some pieces there. If you want to make a comparison to me, even though it was before I started. Uh, on these broadcasts, I think it's more apt to compare it to 75 because that was a team that did not win the Super Bowl but went to the Super Bowl with the Dirty Dozen. Right. No one expected anything of them. They were coming off their first non-playoff year in nine, if I'm if my memory's right, um, in 74, and they had a dozen rookies make the team at a time when a dozen rookies didn't make the team. And they all had an enormous impact and then in 76, they were a playoff team. So they went to the Super Bowl, and that was a huge surprise. In 76, they're a playoff team missing 
balance, and so they lose in the playoffs. And in 77, they add the balance with Dorsett and go to the Super Bowl two straight years and win one of them. So to me, this has, as much as you can be comparative from a salary cap to a non-salary cap age and free agency, which really skews the whole comparison. But as much as you can do it, this year felt more to me like what guys have told me 75 was like, what looking at the books tells you 75 was like. And that was a really foundation-laying, building block in place year because it did lead them to two, uh, two Super Bowls in the next three years. You know, I'm glad you brought up 75 because my grandfather and Kevin's grandfather told us all about that. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah. I, yeah, you know they were they were just kids when I saw them. You know, in, around those games. Let me ask you this: What what are you hearing about Jalen Smith? Uh, Great things, positive things. So is that like the Cowboys bringing in a, a number one pick uh, already? Well, look, uh, I think as we went along, especially after Prescott, uh, after first. It became kind of apparent that Elliott was going to be what they thought he was. And then Prescott turned out to be way more. And then you threw in Anthony Brown as, as a bit of a surprise. Sure. Then I think everyone said, okay, well, wait a minute now. If, he, if Smith uh, turns out to be that. And Malik Collins, uh, too. But Collins was drafted a little bit higher, you right. know, and so I, I think they expect. In fact, I think. Had Collins not been hurt in um, going into training camp, I think that had more out of him this year. Uh, you could conceivably have next year a Prescott and Elliott theoretically improved in their second year. Certainly you would expect improvement from Collins and from Brown. Now throw Smith and Tapper, who they took right. in the fourth round, right. ahead of Prescott, who was supposed to give him some pass pass rush help and never got into an exhibition game. And he was reportedly doing better at, at the end of the year. I don't think he's a, a superstar, but, you know, he could certainly help. And But Jalen Smith can be a difference maker because Jalen Smith is a high-character leader with uh, ridiculous ability. So now you're going to have a team that won 13 games right. that – theoretically could add a top five pick from this year, then it, then it really cashes in. And what, what I hear mostly from him is very, very positive. He's, he really believes he's going to be himself in 2017. But, and, and he's a realistic guy, too. It's, yeah. it's, he's not just yeah. blowing smoke, right? Yeah. No, no, no. No, he's, you know... I mean, we all know Jerry is hopeful and optimistic, and uh, doctors are all cautionary. Trainers, uh, uh, they're all very overly cautious. Uh, Jalen, I think, is uh, uh, an optimistic realist, if there's such a thing. And he really believes, my conversations with him lead me to believe that he, he expects that he's going to be not just on the field in 2017, but he's going to be the player that he was. Let me ask you this about uh, the the Dak effect on this team. You know, uh, Mike Weitzik talked about, you know, he, he compared him to Tom Brady from the standpoint of what he does, uh, you know, not only on the field, but, but a lot of it around the field. You know, I, I think his effect on the team. 
and I, I don't want to, I'm not in any way trying to disparage Tony Romo, but certainly it's two different uh, approaches uh, in, in, at, at the complex and the, and the things that he does. What is it about Dak you think that, that makes him different from Tony in that respect? Um, what my understanding is is that, uh, you know, where Tony started, you know, as this enthusiastic puppy uh, who was the only one who really believed in himself, and then he caught the eye of a couple of coaches, Parcells, and then he proved to be much more than anybody thought. And once he became somewhat established, um, you, you could hear it said that, that he had a core of players, of people, that he was really close to. But, um, but it wasn't necessarily everybody. Uh, Prescott is different from that. And I don't know that that's true, but I've heard it. And... Um, and I feel the same way about Romo that you do. I don't, I don't want to put even a spoonful of dirt on him. I have great affection and admiration for for what Tony Romo uh, did and has done in his career, because um, nobody wanted him, and, and and I think he accomplished an awful lot sometimes without a lot of help. Uh, Prescott's personality appears to be different. And you can walk in the locker room. This is just when we're allowed in there. You can walk in the locker room and see him horsing around with Zeke, or you can see him sitting on the other side of the room with Orlando Skandrick. And uh, I don't know that, that that's something that you ever really saw from Tony. doesn't mean that he wasn't interactive with all of his teammates, but I think it's fair to say that Prescott's got a different personality, one over everybody across every imaginable demographic line, age, race, position, whatever, early, and, and, um, and he's, he's a different guy. He's just a real different guy. And uh, uh, that's why I think there is such high hope for his continued development. Those of us who've been around a while still, I think, uh, feel like, we do need to see the expected growth and improvement. And, you know, he's going to have a little bit of uh, spotlight glare next year. The, the public will now, and talk show hosts and podcasters and uh, all of us in the media are now going to expect him to be flawless and win every game uh, without ever not making a first down. If they have to punt in a game, he's going to have failed. And so that's going to be the next thing that he's going to have to deal with. But assuming, and I think it's a fair assumption based on what we saw, that he makes the normal first to second year progression, um, now having fully embraced and grown into the leadership of the team through a year, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I think that, He's a, he's a different guy, and the future looks really bright. Brad, how much better can he be? What what would he do? Uh, Barry, I, I think that when you, uh, I think that he could see the field. He will see the field better. He did from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. He'll tell you that. Right. There were things that uh, you know, certain blitzes, coverages, um, you know the 
the I don't know how good he's going to be. I think I really thought um, early in the year that an optimistic fair comparison could be Russell Wilson, who was a third-round pick and had mechanical problems that people wanted to stay away from. So to me, one of the beauties of Rodgers is that now we find out that he got in the huddle on that third and 20 and said, all right, Cook, you go there. Cobb, you go there. I mean, the, the specific play they ran wasn't in their book. He right. threw it up. It was a schoolyard play, I think he called yeah, it. Yeah, right. So um, that's what veteran leadership, that's what experience does for you. You can get to a point where you have so much confidence based on what you've achieved and accomplished, not just belief in yourself, that too, but so much confidence based on your knowledge of the system and the opposition and what you've accomplished that you can draw plays in the dirt in a playoff game. And so he will see uh, things better. He will Every incompletion he threw, one thing I think we do know about him is that he is like Romo, and I don't think Romo ever got credit for the way he studied the game. Uh, but he, he is a uh, just an assiduous student. Uh, he, he'll just absorb tape and coaching. And I think every incompletion he threw, there were some throughout the course of the year where he just was on a different page, especially early in games with some of his receivers. That will improve. Um, the, the, the touchdown that Romo threw to Terrence Williams in Philadelphia, uh, if you go back and look at it, Fortunately, they were at our end of the field, and I could see it happen. He looked at Williams, and he nodded at him, and Terrence nodded, and they both knew exactly what they were going to do. That kind of thing will come uh, for Prescott. And, um, and and the ability to read coverages and uh, his receivers, that, that'll improve. So that that's that's what he'll get better at. Everything you, you know, every column you write makes you uh, a little bit more experienced and confident the next time you sit down to write a column and if it's late or if the subject uh, that you picked is not panning out but one pops itself up in front of you at the 11th hour you're not panicked now once upon a time you would have said holy cow what am i going to do with this but now if that happens then you say okay i know what to do with this and sometimes it's your best work and i think that's what experience does for you that, that's you're just assuming that, of course, right on that last. That he was last talking point. to you, Ken. Yeah, he that, wasn't talking. Yeah, to you. yeah but, but and here's the thing to me about I've said pretty much ever since we we saw the development of Dak this year. What impresses me most is his head, uh, more yeah, than anything course. else. And, and and that's and that's to me what sets him apart. And I think because I, I when we look at what Aaron Rodgers did. Uh, now that that's a rare skill set as well. That guy's that guy's making passes. He's running one way and throwing the other way. You know, flipping the ball with his wrist. I mean, the things he can do physically yeah, are right. remarkable. Plus, what he knows, uh, what's between his ears. So I, I'm not sure that 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 Dak can can ever match that. But that's okay because because Aaron Rodgers. But we don't be, know that though, Kevin. We, we don't know. We don't know. Nobody nobody saw Aaron Rodgers doing that when he replaced Brett Favre at Texas Stadium one night. They thought he was good. That's why they drafted him in the first round. Right. But, I mean, look at the first touchdown against the Giants the week before. You can't throw that pass. No. Right. Oh, absolutely. But he can, and absolutely. he can make it be a touchdown. And I don't know that I – think, I think Dak – I think what we learned – one thing we learned about Dak is that before we understood about his uh, character, composure, and, as you said, what's in his head, before we learned 
that his, that his brain is prodigious, um, we found out he was better mechanically than people thought. Remember, this? everyone yeah. now knows the story that, you know, Wade Wilson went to Starkville and said, we've got concerns about you working under center, and he said, by the time we get to camp, you won't know that I've never been under center. And that's because he worked at it, and he improved mechanically, footwork, hand placement, all of it. He, he improved mechanically, and I don't know why uh, we wouldn't think that he wouldn't do that. His, his arm strength is fine. He showed us from the first preseason game in Los Angeles uh, when he when he threw a back shoulder fade to Butler and on the next play uh, threw him one 50 yards down the field. Uh, he showed us he can make the throws and he'll get better at making those throws. So I would I would quibble with the fact that he he can't do what Rodgers can do physically. I don't think we know that yet. I'm not saying he's Rodgers. Rodgers is probably probably going to go down as one of the top half dozen quarterbacks that ever played but i don't think we know yet i don't i wouldn't put any physical limitations on him while agreeing with you that his brain is his greatest weapon let me let me just let me just get off him uh dak for a second go to zeke how much better can he be oh you know they all they all learn he can be better i mean first the first thing that'll happen is he can play 17 good games instead of 15 uh, the first two weeks, or I guess, you know, he didn't get a chance to play. I mean, 16. He didn't get a chance to play in the last one. But, you know, the first two games, by his own admission, he was rushing. He was hurrying. He was overly excited. Right. And I think the reason that that didn't manifest itself in a playoff game is that by that time he'd figured out pro football. And uh, he'll get better. He'll get better at uh, uh, as good as he is at blocking, picking up blitzers, uh, running routes, he'll get better at that stuff. I, I don't think there's any limitation on what he can do, uh, except for you know how often they give him the ball. And they gave, they ran more running plays than any team in football, and they should have. And he's, I think, but he'll learn even more about uh, reading coverages when he comes to the line of scrimmage and blocking schemes. And look. I don't think he's going to have the same five guys in front of him that he had most of this year, so there will be a little bit of a learning curve for him as he figures out, as the whoever's new uh, figures out the communication with the guys next to him and uh, Zeke figures out what that guy's tendencies are. I think all the great running backs would tell you they by the time they were really, really great, that they understood what every guy in their offensive line was going to do. You know, one of the things I'd like to see, it seemed like they, the Cowboys, and maybe this is just anecdotal, I haven't looked up these stats, but it seemed to me that when DeMarco Murray was here, that, that, that Romo was always, when he, you know he's checking down, that there was, there was Murray you know just across the line of scrimmage, boom, uh, dumped the ball off to him. I, I, have, I don't recall seeing that very much uh, with, with Zeke this year. And I'm, I'm wondering if, uh, what I would, if I saw anything from him, I would like to see him involved more in the passing game. Well, that's not up to him, though. That's right. You know, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's well, between that's the coordinator I mean. and the quarterback. Sure, sure. But I think if you look back, uh, it's, it is fair to say uh, that um, Aikman gave up a lot of touchdowns to Emmett Smith. It's also fair to say that Aikman got a lot of passing yards by throwing five-yard checkdowns in the flat to Emmett Smith, who turned him into 20-yard gains. Right. And I think that that, I completely agree with you. I think from the time we saw him in OTAs and training camp, I, 
I really thought I saw in Elliott an exceptional receiver, so much so that um, for the uh, for the little column that I've been writing for the Star Magazine, I called Paul Hackett one day after camp, and I said, tell me about uh, working Herschel into the passing game, because Herschel Walker still holds the club record for completions in a season, and Hackett, um, some people may recall, had come in in mm-hmm. the winter of 86, designed a whole new offense at uh, Schramm's behest mostly, and um, you know Landry was kind of bemused and, and let it happen. And then, and then in August, after spending an entire winter putting a, uh, an offense together, the USFL folded, they signed Herschel, and Schramm called him and said, uh, uh, okay, we're signing Herschel, and I want him and Dorsett on the... Schramm, not Landry. Schramm told him, I want... Uh, Walker and Dorsett on the field together. And Hackett said, okay, fine, who's going to block? And Schramm said, well, that's what you're here to figure out. <laughs> and, and and Herschel wound up, whether it was that year or whatever year it was, he caught like 80-something passes. Right. And, and so Elliott, to me, if you just watch the way he handles himself running a route, catching the ball, uh, assuming how he's going to run the rest of the play after he catches the ball – he, he, to me, is a phenomenal weapon. Yeah. Murray, I think you can make the case. If you remember Murray's career at Oklahoma, yes, he was a much greater uh, weapon the way they used him, not because of DeMarco catching the ball than he was actually running from scrimmage. And I thought in the time that he was here, they underutilized him as a weapon in the passing game. And I think that's a fair observation. It's not on Elliott, but I do think that, that it's a reasonable expectation to see him play a greater role in the passing game because I think that he's got the opportunity to be one of the best pass-catching backs. They've had some good ones now. You know, Preston Pearson pretty much invented yeah. the, the third down role, and obviously Emmett did a lot. But I, I think Elliott's got the opportunity because of his intelligence uh, and skill set and approach to be one of the great pass-catching backs they've ever had. Nothing frustrated me more this season than when on a third down they'd bring Lance Dunbar in and take yeah, – and, yeah. and, and take you, – oh, you heard me screaming from my couch, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, they I put Lance Dunbar in. I recognize your shrill shriek. My shrill. <laughs> and it is shrill. No. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, all you want to do is get Zeke Elliott in space. I think, yes. from my limited knowledge of, of football. Yeah, you know, here's the thing about that. Um, you'd have to, I would love to sit down and go back and find down and distance and game situation every time they did that. I don't recall Elliott coming off the field very much last week. No, a couple no, of times. He didn't, no, that changed. You're right. Right. So because the stakes change. Right. So over the course of a season, I think one of the coaching challenges that they have is over the course of 16 games, uh, you want to develop not just players, but plays and, and personnel packages that allow you to do what you want instead of what they want you to do. And sometimes that involves, and if you think you're going to be playing late in the year, you would like for a guy like Elliot who's going to take a tremendous pounding, uh, you'd like to find ways to both maximize his utility and keep him fresh and so you hey dunbar potentially is a real weapon it's not easy i think 
I don't I don't think I shared your frustration as much because I I kind of understood because you saw the big picture and I'm just I'm just a dope. Yeah. yeah. Now look, yeah, true. What, the, the, if you ask me what play bothered me most all year, at least up until the last you know third and twenty, I don't like letting the team off a third and twenty hole. But when they had I can't even remember who they were playing. They won the game, uh, but when they were third and two. And had Elliot run the fly sweep with Lucky Whitehead, the fly sweep reverse with Lucky Whitehead. Right, right. And and in Zeke, Zeke, I've talked to just about everybody who's involved in that play. Zeke threw the ball too hard, and so okay, next time maybe he'd do that. But it's certain to give him the right. ball. Yeah, no kidding. You know, if he's in yeah. the lineup, now if he's not in the lineup, and you're gonna you know do something with Dunbar, you're gonna do something with Lucky. Okay, if he's in the line, give him the ball. Do that on first and ten, which is what they did when Bryant threw the touchdown pass to Witten. It was first and ten. It wasn't third and two. And sometimes coaches get they outsmart themselves. Yes. You know, just, just go do that. And that may be a little bit of what you are t- registering, Barry. That you, why you got that guy? Why isn't he doing it all the time? And part of the answer might be if he does it all the time every week, then. You never know which is the one play that's going to take away from what he's got right. in week 18. Because in week 18, he didn't come off the field. Which I, I, and I thought they did that pretty well. So I, I kind of understood what they were doing. Let me ask you this. about You brought up the, the, uh, the Dez uh, pass to Witten. Isn't that better saved for a playoff game? No. No? Not necessarily. I think they had some stuff up. Uh, in this game against Green Bay, that they never got to because they got they got behind. Right. Um, you can make the case; it's a fair case to make. And by showing it when they did, they, they had to prepare agree. for it. They got to spend some time on it. Yeah, right. They got to spend some time on it. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. No, I I thought it was okay. All right, now let me ask you that. We're, we're flipped to the other side of the field here, uh, and, we, and we're running out of time here. But we want to talk a little bit about the the in the secondary. You got four free agents. Who do you bring yeah. back? Well, that I don't uh, have my arms around the full cap. So, first of all, I'm I am I've heard rumors that Carr is contemplating retirement. Wow! And uh, I I would I would like to bring him back. I think that he had the best year that he's had since he's been here. I think his leadership is important, yes. and I think he would play at a reasonable sum. For the same reason, the the leadership plus the production at the right number, I would like to bring back Church. I think he's an important guy to them. Um, So now you're looking at Wilcox and Claiborne. Um, I think that Claiborne understands that his getting hurt, and by the way, he got hurt again in the playoffs. That's going to work against him because he is not going to get paid here or anywhere else like the player that he was in the off season and the first half of this season because now as they always say that one of the best abilities in a player is availability and that's going to be a question that is fairly brought up for him so i would absolutely i would want them all back i would want to uh i would i would i don't think i would overspend uh, for any of them, it's a, it's a question better answered after you have uh, digested the draft class, figure out what's in there, and looked at free agency and see who's available. The leadership 
I think there's even though the window is open much wider because of the youth of Prescott and Elliott, it's at least a five-year window because I think you have to ask questions about how long Elliott's here after five years. Right. But I think they've at least got four more years in the window. But because of that, um, I would like to have Carr and Church back for their physical play, their leadership, and what they add to the team chemistry. Um, Claiborne is going to have to – I want him back, but it's going to have to be at a reasonable number because you now cannot – you have no uh, empirical evidence that he can stay on the field for the entire season, and that's unfortunate for him. So, you know, I think they have to get with the – they have to look at their cap, figure out – they've also got to figure out uh, right tackle, Terrell McClain. uh they're going to need a backup offensive lineman or two. Um, so all of those things have to be weighed into what you offer your secondary guys. I would like them all back. Claiborne's going to have to play at a reasonable number because of his injury history, and I, I'm willing to extend myself a little bit on Carr and Church because of what they lend in uh, leadership as well as physical play. You, do you want to guess where Tony Romo will be playing next season? You know, I've read a retirement rumor just today about him, too. I, I'm not sure that's what I think will happen. Uh, I can't imagine he'll retire. Well, and nothing's ever happened in sports that we can't imagine. I know, I know. Uh, can, Brad, I, can you... What, Brad, the only can, thing, Barry, that I'll say is that I, I don't want to see him go to a bad team just so he can play. Well, I don't think he'd do that. Brad, you can't imagine him retiring either, can you? I mean, I don't think it's what he wants to do. But I think that um, he, I do know that he, he uh, is a man whose uh, faith is uh, plays a, an important role in his life, and the only thing that rivals it is family. And he's got young children. Right now, he's healthy. His uh, wife's family is all here. I I, I just wouldn't um, ignore the potential significance of those things. I'm not saying they're decision-makers, but I think it would be wrong to say that he's going to go play wherever he can get uh, a chance to play because it might be a horrible team. And and that wouldn't be what he wants either, I don't think. I, I think that it's easy to say, oh, send him to Denver, send him to Houston, right. send him to Arizona. That's easy to say. How's Houston going to afford him and Brock Osweiler? That he can't. Not and pay anybody easy. else. No, they can't. And and if you're John Elway, and, and you've got a lot of resources and money and draft choices uh, tied up in two young quarterbacks, are, are you sure you're bringing Romo on? Now, maybe, but it, that's easier for us to say than for people to make happen. I think it's. I think that's one of those tap the brakes and is, just is, let it play out a little bit. Is returning to the Cowboys absolutely, positively, unequivocally out of the question? No. I do think it would be difficult. I mean, from the Cowboy, if you look at it from the Cowboys' point of view, frankly, I'd want that. Sure. Uh, you're Me already too. committed to the money under the right, cap. exactly. And I would rather pay for that guy to be here in my building and uh, be part of my family and contribute to what he can than pay nine million dollars each of the next two years in dead money i would rather do that um and you've got the best backup quarterback insurance policy in the league 
um, I do think they would have to really work out the tension of having them both around. That would be my one concern about bringing him back. Well, you'd have to you'd have to work it out. Yeah. You'd have to work it out. Um, I've I've heard that. Uh, I, I don't think I've had three conversations with him uh, since he made his midseason speech because I haven't seen him, and those conversations were really short. I've heard that he was really scarce, and it was a tough time for his family. You can understand all that. I, I, w- I am not willing Barry to go as far as that complete, um, unwavering, no chance in hell, because uh, I do think there's a chance. But in order to do that, they would all have to get together, be on the same page, and he would have to go a step further than he did with that uh, very, I thought, graceful midseason speech. He, he'd have to say, I'm fine with this. I yes. would love to play, but where I am in my career, in my life, with my family right now, I'm fine with this. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Brad Sham, it's been great once again having you on with us. We love having you. You know, you're on with us every week because you're in the intro. Uh, and, <laughs> and so you're immortal. You know, and that's, that's the great thing. Oh, about do, do, we, do, do we pay him for that? contacting you about, uh, about a fee. For a royalty you get a residual? Fortunately for you, uh, I'm, I like all three of you, even though Evan stiff-armed us. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He's a a different cat. Well, we loved having you on, Brad, and we're going to have you on again sometime soon, even just for the heck of it, just because we like to talk to you. Anytime. Thanks, Brad. Brad. Thank you. Enjoyed it. There goes Brad Sham. Uh, as I said, one of my all-time favorites. I love, you know, I, and I don't say that just to blow smoke. I love listening to Brad do the Cowboys. You know, I like listening to him. Sometimes, he, sometimes he gets a little uh, tough on the Cowboys, and he's. He, I wouldn't say tough. He's fair. He's no, no, but he's fair. But sometimes he gets frustrated too. Oh, on, you can on hear the, the frustration sometimes, and he and he does that, and that's why he's great for this market. He's, but the, the, the cadence, the the delivery. Everything and he's a great voice. Uh, he's just—he's to me, he's just perfect. But you know, sooner or later, he's going to get tired of carrying Babe Laufenberg. Wow, I think that's true. And you know, wow. there's, there's only so Babe's going to take this really hard because you know he listens to all the podcasts. Well, you know, I know he listens because every time I call him to try to get him on, he never returns my calls anymore. Oh no, that's awful. Yeah, it is. Maybe I should call him. Maybe yeah. Why don't, why don't you handle it? Because you, you're you're practically Park City's neighbors. No, no, no. We, we we at one time we were. He lived like six blocks from me. Yeah, I know, but but still, you live very close to the Park City. Not that you close. don't like you don't like Not being identified. Close. But but we go to church in the Park City. There you but, go. But that's that's about it. There there you go. It. We did. We one time we lived in the Park City when Debbie and I first got married. Because you're a Park City's kind of guy. No, not really. I'm I'm a listen. I grew up in. Uh, I went to Pasadena schools. As a matter of fact, one of the first girls Pasadena, I dated Texas, right? Pasadena, Texas. Yeah. One of the first girls I dated said uh, her mom said, "You know, he's from Pasadena." Was that not was that not a positive? Not for her, it wasn't. Where, where was she from? Uh, from Memorial area. Oh, said. that's like that's uh, like a the very, Park City, very it? haughty area. It's yeah. Kind, yeah. It's well, of, it's not it's not River Oaks, but it's yeah. it's pretty cl- it's pretty pretty close. pretty close. Yeah. Now we're we're just boring people now. Are you kidding? People love this kind of stuff. We, we, we're they're not, dying to know this kind of stuff. They're not. They're not. No, but. But it's been great. It's another great podcast. You know what? We also have, we're going to have, speaking of Houston, we have uh, Richard Justice, who lives just north of Houston, I think in the Woodlands. The is Woodlands, that, that's correct. He'll be, he'll be on talking. He's, he's a on, Waxahachie boy, but yeah, he lives that, in Is that Waxahachie kind of like uh, what, Pasadena? 
Uh, no, Patsy is much better than Walks No, I don't mean that. All you, all, all you people from the Hatch, Rob Stroop's from the Hatch too. You know, he's a DMN guy. Uh, no, that's that, it's it's a great place. All right, so now we're we're hitting all the depth. Plano's a great place too. I no, 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 you, not. you hate Plano, don't yeah, you? No. All right, well, listen, let's let's wrap it up. Doug, take us out of here. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.